Hey everyone, and welcome to the Training Ground Podcast with your host, Kevin Barry. This episode is a recording of episode 99 that I did on Straight Shot Radio where I was a guest on the show. Straight Shot Radio is a health and fitness podcast that is hosted by my former colleague, Johnny Slick. If you want to know how to get back to training after COVID, injury or illness, I think you'll find a lot of value in this episode. I'm posting this now because I think the timing is perfect. Most areas are starting to return to full activity, full practice training after a large break due to the COVID restrictions and lockdowns in certain areas. I know it's definitely the case in my hometown where adult training has been paused since December 2020. Hope you enjoy. Hi and welcome to Straight Shot Radio. My name is Johnny Slick and I'm the founder and head coach at Straight Shot Training. So what's it like to return to exercising after having COVID? Kevin Barry works as a strength and conditioning coach at a college in Pennsylvania and found out firsthand what it's like after contracting COVID in late 2020. Now, I've had Kevin on the show before to share his experience as a coach who grew up playing soccer and training for sports in Ireland, but as soon as he posted online about having COVID and being very transparent and honest about his symptoms and then his recovery, I invited him back on the show to have him share his experience. Kevin was extremely good with documentation and using both biometric and performance markers as indicators in his progress as he began slowly building his fitness back up. He brings all of his findings plus lots of detailed tips on how you can get back into training after COVID or after taking extended time off from training for any reason. All right, Coach Kevin Barry has a lot to share with you all here, so let's get into our chat. All right, so I mean, this is the, the topic that we're going to be talking about today, so I kind of want to jump right into it, but obviously we can pull other stuff in about your, your coaching experience up there, but uh, you had COVID, you recovered from it, and you returned to your workouts, and I think that between this wide experience that you've had as a strength and conditioning coach, you've worked with a lot of different people, and then you, you I'm sure you know athletes who had COVID, you had COVID yourself, you probably have a lot of stuff that you can share with our listeners who may have had COVID or they currently have COVID or may get it in the future. So um, thank you in advance for sharing your experience. Uh, we were talking a little bit before this episode about how there seems to be this stigma around COVID where people aren't talking about it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So for me, um, obviously we kind of first found out about it around March and March was when um, we stopped uh, working with all teams in person. So we ended up okay. going um, online for the semester. So through, from March through um, October, I didn't get to work in person with any athletes, but I was starting to get some emails about, oh, coach, I got COVID, what should I do? Or, you know, um, how do yeah. I get back into training and stuff? So uh, what was helpful, um, a couple of years back, NSCA and CSCCA, who are um, two certification bodies um, for collegiate strength conditioning, um, they came out on a document about return to play and socialization. So um, I've been using those guidelines kind of as a basis. But uh, for when, my own, when did those when did those come out? They they've been out for almost two years now, and they they haven't gotten much um, publicity, to be honest. Um, yeah. They actually came out on the back of um, the kid from Ireland, the football player, died um, a couple of years back from doing just too much conditioning. And there was some malpractice as well involved at Maryland and football. Oh, yes, I remember on, that. On the back of that, there was um, a lot of research and documentation done and kind of put out a position statement. You know, so this is return to, any, return to exercise or training from any type of prolonged time off? 
from any activity. Yeah, and they define that okay. as um, any period more than two weeks. Okay. So, so this could be yeah, so used for just about anything then. Absolutely. Uh, if you yeah. pick up some injuries or overuse and, and you're getting back into it. Um, I, I do think down the road we will see specific protocols for um, return to play from COVID and flus and things like that because uh, they can be a little bit different. But I think most of the principles remain the same. Okay. Um, but for, for me personally, I um, I, I was, felt like I was almost playing a waiting game to get COVID because I'm around so many different people, you know. We're around, I'm around 300, 400 people a week. Um, so uh, for our university um, on campus, we mandated a mask policy and in the weight room, we had one too. Um, we had social distancing. We had um, everything that was done right, you know, wiping down stuff, ventilation. Uh, okay. But we did have some cases at the very start of semester in September, October, not so many in November. Um, but for myself, I picked it up in uh, mid-November, just a little bit before um, Thanksgiving. Uh, the first couple of days, um, I just had a headache. And it was around the time where I was um, actually supposed to get a new appointment for um, for glasses or contacts. So I had kind of thought, oh, I'm getting headaches just because, I, I, you know, I need a new prescription and whatnot. So that went on for two or three days. And then after that, I started getting a little bit of throat pain, but nothing too serious. And then after that, I started getting body aches. So... Um, the body aches were the worst symptom for me. I never had a fever or anything. Um, okay. so every morning, a loss of taste. No, I didn't have a loss of that. smell, loss of taste. Okay. So what, so you no. wake up with just body aches. Yeah. Um, it kind of felt like I'm sure listeners would be familiar. It felt like, um, you have to run the marathon or, you know, squatting a one rep max every day. Um, <laughs> it was just that kind of feeling, you know, you, I, I could almost feel like your vertebrae, like every single one, just, just kind of aching. Um, wow. so that was the symptoms for me. And by the time I did get a test, um, I, I was starting to turn a curve a little bit. Um, as far as the symptoms were going, but initially it was headaches to begin and uh, body aches to finish up, you know. With, so it um, kind of came on over over the course of how long between headaches that you started with and then the sore throat and then the body aches. What was the span of that? Yeah, the headaches were um, two to three days. And, you know, I didn't really pick it up as a symptom of COVID at the time, you know, like I yeah. said previously. Um, and then body aches were about... Um, three to four days after that so after about six days i was feeling better and i um i ended up getting a covid test on um like the fifth day so by the time i got my results back i was starting to you know turn the curve for the better, better. okay mm -hmm. so all in all from the first headache to your last symptom how long did that last uh for me it was about seven or eight days at the time okay before I felt kind of, uh, before I didn't have any more symptoms, but I, I, I did notice there were some lagging things I had, like, um, you know, I was feeling okay, but a resting heart rate was still elevated. And even just to walk around uh, where we live, that exercise heart rate for walking was like 30 beats higher than normal. So wow, um, some of those things did take much longer. Um, but the classic signs and symptoms, you know, that you'll see from CDC and online, um, those were about seven or eight days. Got it. Okay. So then how long after those, those last symptoms of your, of your body aches, how long after that did you take before you actually started beginning your working out again? 
so it was midweek by the time I uh, had no symptoms. So I gave it two or three days um, after that. And then I kind of set up um, a couple of different programs on paper. Um, I knew I would have to change them depending on the results. But one of the first workouts I tried to do was um, some intervals and, and not, you know, at 100% intensity or anything. Um, I got my best mile time, put it in half or, you know, doubled it. And I tried yeah. to do, I think, eight two-minute intervals or 10 two-minute intervals. Um, I did six or five and I uh, just call it a day. Um, <laughs> so you try, you tried to run three days after? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and this was this was only at, you know, 50% intensity. Oh, um, gotcha. Uh, okay. So I, what I did was say I got my best mile time, say seven minutes and or, you know, six something. I doubled that time and just tried to do that for two minutes. So. Oh, actual, so you were, you were trying to run at a like 13 minute mile pace for two yeah, minutes. Yeah, just like a fast walk. And that was tough, yeah. Wow. Yeah, because, I mean, cardiovascularly and and strength-wise, you've been training for a long long time, uh, and and you have a a good balance of of both strength and conditioning. Mm -hmm. Uh, So coming back to it, did you feel like that the biggest hit was your cardio? Or do you feel like your strength took a hit too? Did you feel weaker? Um, Strength-wise, it felt okay, actually. Um, I felt it was more cardiovascular. And um, I think like some of the research will back that up too with um, residual training effects is um, the term. There is some research on it where you kind of talk about how long you can hold different capacities in your body. And um, yeah. some of the first ones to drop off is on the, the cardiovascular side. Uh, so so strength-wise, you know, I wasn't pushing for, for new PRs or anything, but, you know, that day-to-day feel um, felt normal as far as okay. lifting goes. Um, I did, um, uh, get my heart rate as well for all the lifts, you know, going forward after that, just to make sure, um, that, that they were normal as such. Um, yeah. so I, I was trying to track things a little bit, uh, closer on the lifting side. Okay. And you, that's kind of always been one of the, your things is you've always been really big on tracking things and, and the numbers and, and programming, uh, so was that something that you feel like helped you make systematic progress with this was by documenting everything from those first workouts through? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's a little hit or miss to be honest. It can be frustrating at times because, um, when you do track stuff, like as good as it is, you, you know where you're at, um, which is, you know, like it can be difficult mentally because yeah. you're comparing back to where you were before, you know, versus, uh, you know, I feel like I'm making progress, but when you have it on pen and paper or you have it in Garmin and it's like, you know, this workout was awful and uh, <laughs> it, it can be demotivating, you know? So, um, that, that's one of the big things was trying to play the long game and, uh, okay. realizing from like cardiovascular side, um, you know, I'm not going to be a hundred percent, um, today, tomorrow, next week. Um, but the, the goal is to gradually progress from there. So, you did you think you placed more of a focus then on building your cardio back up when it came to your program that you wrote for yourself? Yeah, as far as the programming goes, definitely. Um, okay. Uh, what it also helped was um, yeah, soon after um, we ended up um, not having access to a gym anyway, so uh, it was a case of of just going around around the neighborhood and trying to get some extra runs in, you know, if you don't have equipment or, um, I also did some body weight circuits and the other thing, which I picked up on for a couple of sessions was, um, uh, just, just jump ropes, just, uh, skipping as well. 
Okay. Um, that, that was something I picked up way back in March when gyms were first closed. <laughs> and um, yeah, even like 10 minutes of that was, was a challenge to begin with. So. Wow. And then what about your recovery in between workouts? So both from a cardio and a strength standpoint, the day after exercising, were you, were you working out every other day or were you trying to do every day? What was your recovery versus training looking like? Um, for, for me, as far as, as far as like, um, cardiovascular training or, um, running, what I was trying to do was, um, I took some notes here to try and think back, but I tried to get a combination of, um, like long, slow distance or steady state training and a combination of intervals. Um, but as far as recovery went, I, I felt okay day to day. You know, I had no issues there. Okay. Um, it was just, you know, in that moment. Um, one of the big things I was looking at as far as interval training goes, I, I was trying to set intervals where I should see a drop in heart rate. And I was kind of using that as an indicator to see um, how kind of conditioned or how fit that I was because the first couple of sessions was just um, just a, a straight line from low heart rate up to max heart rate and um <laughs> like my body just wasn't recovering you know from rep to rep or set to set wow um but as the weeks have gone on i've noticed that you know if you take a minute two minutes recovery that your heart rate it really should go down and that's what's been happening now so it's been trending you know i'm getting those peaks and valleys for interval training which you're supposed to so yes okay so you have that combination of the steady state lower uh, heart rate, maybe longer distance, longer duration to kind of help you rebuild that aerobic base. But I think it's important to have those intervals where you do get your heart rate up because getting it up. And like you said, when you rest, it should come down. But that's one of the things that's happening with people post COVID is their both their resting heart rate and their recovery heart rates during intervals are just up so high. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important when people get back into it, that they take a similar approach to you. Um, and like you said, intervals do not have to be uh, high intensity intervals in the beginning. You, so you were basically doing moderate intensity efforts with very low intensity recoveries. Yeah. So, um, I, I was only working at, you know, for the endurance based runs, I was only working at 50, 60% initially. Um, but even for the intervals, you know, like you said, a lot of people think, Oh, it's an interval. It's a hundred percent intensity, and and it's yeah. a break from there. But those type of intervals were they were only 80 percent for me. Um, okay, they were enough to get out of kind of an aerobic zone. Um, but then trying to get uh, rested from there was a thing. You know, um, typically I'll see a 40, 50 beat drop in you know a minute thirty or two minutes and initially it was, you know, 10 or 20. I'm like, this, this doesn't wow. make sense. You know, yeah, it's a long time to recover between um, those bouts. But I, I think that is kind of based off of your rest and heart rate as well. So if your rest and heart rate's up, everything's going to change. And yeah. I've been tracking that, um, rest and heart rate is usually in the, uh, high forties or low fifties. And, uh, first couple of days with COVID even a little bit after it was like 76, it was rest and heart rate one day. So 
Wow. So, um, so your heart, your heart was working at, you know, 150% of his normal capacity then. Yeah. Um, like a walk for me is usually around 95 or 98, somewhere around there. Um, I was hitting 125, 135 just for a walk. So Jeez, that's wild. So yeah. when it comes, comes to those intervals, were you basing your rest portions of the intervals on a time or a heart rate goal that you would try to recover to? Um, I, I was setting them on a time or a ratio. Um, so okay. the, couple of recommendations from uh, the NSCA National Strength Condition Association and then CSCCA um, like uh, in week week one they recommend one to four ratio so if you're working for one minute you should rest for four um, okay. I, didn't, I didn't quite go that high um, they recommend one to three in weeks two two to four um, I, I was working a one to one or a one to two so a lot of times um when I would go out, I would do um, a minute run and either two minute walk or um, a, a minute 30 run and three minute walk. Um, so okay. I was using those recoveries for intervals as a walk and not, you know, as a jog where, you know, some people will. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would never go um, less than a one to one ratio. So if I was okay. at a minute run, you know, I was taking at least a minute 30 off i was never dropping below that minute okay and then as the weeks went on were you increasing the duration of your higher intensity efforts or were you just decreasing the rest periods in between your intervals i, I tried to keep the uh, rest period the same um so i could measure back and and see um basically the, the big picture was did i cover more distance in the same amount of time um, Got it. so i was trying to increase the intensity of, of that work set as such of the you know when you're working for a minute 30 on um you know initially i was running i think 11 or 12 minute miles even in those pace even in those intervals and then i was running 9 10 and 8 9 so uh, progressively it. trying to increase the intensity of, of that work period yeah okay yeah, because you, there's so many things that you're that you're trying to hit, and it sounds like you did with your training, where you're trying to improve your recoveries in between your bouts, but you're also trying to build back up that capacity to get your heart rate up, but not to the point of where you can't get it back down. So I think you know the way that you're talking about systematically decreasing those rest periods until you get to that one to one or one to one point five ratio, and mm -hmm. then increasing the intensity of the the bouts is a good way to go about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like there are a lot of options out there. Um, I think the big thing is just not to bounce back and forth between, you know, four or six different methods uh, because you're not going to make much progress. You're, you're not going to be able to uh, kind of get it before and after, you know, you can't that's, evaluate that's smart, or assess. Yeah. So. Okay. So keep keeping good records, but not changing stuff up so much that you can't tell if you're actually progressing or not. Exactly. Yeah. And then, so then did you do the same thing with your strength training as well? Did you run like linear, uh, progression on something, you know, you add five pounds to the bar each week or same lifts, what did it look like for you? Yeah, I, I didn't have access initially to a gym, um, for the first okay. couple of weeks. So I, I've actually just been able to get back in, in the past two or three weeks, um, for me, it's, it's a little bit hit or miss right now. Um, we're in Pennsylvania, so it snows a little bit. Um, <laughs> so when it's snowing or, you know, when the weather is not great outside, I'll, I'll try and get a bit more strength work in, um, okay. when the weather is good outside, uh, we'll try and get some intervals or, or do a little bit more as far as the conditioning side. Um, yeah. but for me right now, I'm still prioritizing that, um, cardiovascular training. Okay. And this is, this is something I've, 
I did a podcast episode a long time ago on how long you could completely rest from training and not lose, you know, muscular strength or, you know, muscle size. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think this is, we're really seeing it. We saw it a lot last year that in order to maintain your level of muscle mass or a decent level of strength, you actually need a lot less training than you think you do. And I think that's something that people have been able to see that, you know, you, you can maintain a decent amount of strength and muscle mass with limited amounts of limited workouts, limited equipment, Mm -hmm. limited everything. So you've been doing, do you have equipment that you work out with or do you mostly body weight stuff? Uh, right now I, I'm, I'm able to get access to, uh, my own weight room at the university. Oh, okay. So, so the weight room is open there now. Um, The weight room is open to employees. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so we actually, um, uh, a couple of administrative things. Um, it is, you know, still winter break at the moment, um, but it's looking like it'll be another month before our kids will be back to campus and be able to train in person again. Okay. So when it comes to people listening to this who are trying to figure out how to come up with a, a plan to get back into it if they had COVID or or if they've just been out of training for a while, what do you think the most important thing to focus on when returning to training is? Um, I think if you're, well, uh, kind of let's break it down, say if you're just getting back from an illness or COVID or an injury, but you do have some performance indicators, um, whereas your one rep max for squat or bench or whether it's, you know, your 5k time, um, the biggest thing is to not set out a hundred percent. Um, there are, there are some tables and rules out there, um, 50, 70, 80, 90, over four weeks intensity. So week one is 50%. Week two, you're going to work at 70. Week three, 80. And week four, 90. So okay. you're not going to get back to 100% um, until at least week five. So go into it with that mindset that, you know, you don't want to PR or you don't <laughs> want to have that, you know, sense of, of um, a lack of motivation. You know, if you're going to test yourself and, um, you know, you're not going to get it, so don't do it, you know? Okay. Um, but if it is somebody that, um, it, you know, doesn't have much training background, but, you know, wants to get back into it, um, I think the biggest thing is to, you know, um, work on alternative days. So there's no need to train five or six days a week. And we're kind of seeing that a little bit now with uh, New Year's resolutions, you know, I'm going to add four days of cardio and three days of lifting and, you know, two days of this yoga or something, but, uh, my advice would be to do it on non-consecutive days. Um, okay. Really, your performance increases um, based on your rest. So if you're not resting and recovering, your body is not going to be in a better place um, long yeah. term. So, yeah, I mean, you, you're, you're, your program is only as good as the program that you can recover from. Absolutely. So if, you're, if, you're doing, if, you're, if you're doing too much, you're just, you're, you're spinning your wheels. And I think that's mm-hmm. really important for returning post COVID because, you know, there is this, the, there's always, it's always frustrating getting sick and having to, you know, take time off and then coming back. But the, the worst thing you can do is come back too fast and end up setting yourself back even farther. Yeah. And that, that's been a, a huge kind of um, debate or dilemma across uh, collegiate athletics in general is that, oh, we have less time to work with the kids now. We need to push them harder. You know, you'll see that from sport coaches. And um, you can't make up on lost time at the end of the day, you know. 
Um, yeah. So if, if you do twice as much, you're going to get injured. You're going to get burnt out um, in that period. So um, look to have, I would, I would say, you know, a four or six week plan uh, of where you want to be and not necessarily, you know, we need to be ready by next week from a, from a performance aspect. Yeah. And honestly, when you think about your entire year, of training. If you have to take two weeks off for being sick and it takes you another six to build back up to where you were before, eight weeks out of the course of a year is really not that big of a chunk of time. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is um, I'm, I'm not sure if you follow NFL, but um, I, I've kind of noticed a trend where there's some teams that, you know, they have big COVID list or injury reserve. And then the following week, they go out and they play great. Like, um, the Ravens might be a yeah, good the Ravens, that. yeah. Um, where you know the, the players get an extra week of yeah, they have COVID, you know, you don't know, um, what if any symptoms they have or you know how they're dealing with it personally. Um, but but if you're thinking that you know it's a week where you're a football player and you don't have to get hit every day at practice, um, sometimes yeah. that can help with recovery, so. Uh, I've seen news reports where, you know, some of those players feel like they're more recovered and, you know, they're in a better position for having, you know, a bye week. And because um, the reality is, you you know, most people aren't just going to take a week off, you know. So, yeah, sometimes as bad as it sounds, like if there is like a small, see a small overuse injury in your wrist or your elbow and you take some time off of um uh, weightlifting, you might come back a little bit better, actually. So, oh, absolutely. Um, some of those forced um, kind of periods of of um, downtime can actually aid in recovery. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's not going to happen for everybody, but it's interesting to see in in professional sport that does seem to be the case for some people. It actually it actually ends up helping them. So. Anything else that you think that that you could share when it comes to you coming back from from COVID uh, that might help people out? Like, did you do anything different with your hydration, with your diet, anything like that along the way coming when you were building yourself back up? Um, no, I just tried to keep uh, daily habits. I think the one thing is to um, be transparent. You know, if you're in a group environment and if you're in a running club or you know if if you have a training partner. Um, yeah, there is like we said the kind of a stigma of you know i don't want to tell anyone i got covid but um if you're a collegiate athlete especially you need to be telling um coaches and staff uh, because your program does need to be modified um so if, if you um do have covid my advice would be um if you're in a sports setting working with a personal trainer or, or any anybody really um let them know uh, what kind of symptoms you have and and look to build a plan from there, you know, don't, don't just be ignorant to the facts. Yeah. Yeah. I think more people need, need to be talking about it so that, um, you know, we can be, we can be more transparent about it and help each other out. Absolutely. Um, it, it makes the most sense for, you know, long-term programming and, uh, getting yeah. closer to their goals. So, yeah. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on and talking about this today, Kevin. I really appreciate it. Uh, now you have your own podcast, called the, the, right. training, the Training Ground Podcast, and that's on all platforms, right? That's correct, yeah. Uh, okay. Training Ground Podcast on, on Spotify, um, iTunes, and uh, you can listen directly on Podbean as well. So Okay. And kind of a quick synopsis of what people can expect to hear on your show? Yeah, um, I think 
there's there's a lot of strength and conditioning podcasts out there. There's a lot of um, soccer podcasts, but there's not a lot that kind of bridge that gap between strength and conditioning and soccer. So okay. really, I set the podcast up to be a behind the um, scenes um, advice from nutritionists, um, strength and conditioning coaches, physical therapists, um, for soccer players. So um, okay. a lot of podcasts are kind of vague takeaways. Uh, we're looking yeah. to build practical takeaways from every episode for uh, youth soccer players. Okay. And you've had some awesome guests on too that I've listened to. Yeah, I appreciate that. We're trying yeah. to um, diversify and, um, you know, keep it broad so there's a new perspective and it's not just from, you know, the soccer coach every week. So, okay. And then you said people can find that on all uh, podcast platforms, but you have a website as well. People can find your stuff on. Yeah. I, I try and keep the show notes there. And um, I have about a hundred, 120 articles on soccer performance and strength conditioning uh, okay. kjbtraining.com um, so if anyone's looking for um, advice particularly on fitness tests I just tracked um, so did some analytics and seven of the top ten posts have been about soccer fitness tests so okay. if, you're, uh, <laughs> if you're trying to improve your, your soccer fitness I got you covered awesome and then your social media handle is it strength coach kev yeah I created an Instagram account um, and that's strength coach kev that's right and no uh, dashes or anything, just strength no, coach. No, just Gav. strength coach Gav all the way through. Wow, that's yeah. pretty solid that you got that. Yeah, I won't lie. Um, <laughs> the previous uh, podcast guest I had on uh, the training ground, Will Geositz, who was a former um, colleague of mine, he um, had strength coach Will. And I was like, I really like that. I'm going to try Kev. And uh, sure enough, it, it came up. it was there. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty, you looked out, man. It's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Cool. For All right. Me. So, yep. So at, at strength coach Kev is the handle. Uh, KJBtraining.com is the website. And then the Training Ground Podcast is your podcast on all platforms. There it is. Yep. Awesome. That's perfect. Cool. Thanks so much for coming on, Kevin. Awesome. Thanks, Johnny. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Training Ground Podcast, where we provide practical training takeaways for soccer players who are serious about improving their performance. To make sure you don't miss our next episode, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You can find show notes and more at kjbtraining.com. That's kjbtraining.com.